Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Expand Your Frame podcast. I'm your host, John Sigmund, and this week we'll be welcoming Vanessa Hagerbomber to the show. I first met Vanessa uh, quite a few months back when we were both on a committee with the International Coach Federation NYC chapter. And during that work, we have co-created a feature that we roll out every month called the Competency Collab. So please check that out at the International Coach Federation New York City chapter and join us if you're able. And in this episode, I chat with Vanessa about a wide range of topics surrounding creativity and coaching, a, a topic I have always been fascinated by and actually quite struggled with a little bit myself. So in our conversation, Vanessa offers a number of tips and techniques and tricks to try out and just things to contemplate for developing a new perspective around creativity and coaching. So please help me welcome Vanessa Hagerbomber. Hey, Vanessa, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. Excited to be here. Hey, I'm excited to have you. Listen, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to be with me today. Over here where I am, I'm over in the Finger Lakes region in central New York. It's a, I walked outside this morning. It's a absolutely gorgeous summer day. And I almost feel guilty saying that, knowing that a lot of the country and the mm. world is suffering under some oppressive heat. But how are things over in your neck of the woods? Yeah, that's really kind of you, John, because I, I hadn't thought about the rest of, of the U.S. Um, so I, I am normally um, a Brooklynite, but I happen to be in North Carolina visiting family. And it's absolutely beautiful here. And I've, I am so grateful for the greenery, getting to walk, um, you know, just a couple steps and be in the woods. And it's just a very different life than Brooklyn and one I am very much enjoying right now, especially this morning. It was probably under 70 degrees, which was incredible. Lovely. That, it sounds really, really nice. And actually, ironically, I'm going to North Carolina myself on Friday to, like you said, visit with family. Oh, amazing. What part? I'm very excited. I, I'm going to go to Charlotte. My uh, son it. and his girlfriend live over in Matthews area. And uh, so I'm gonna, they, have, uh, they have a couple of children, my grandchildren. So I'm going to go spend some time with them. Oh, lucky, lucky folks, all of uh, you. <laughs> I am, I, I'm, I'm the lucky one there. So yeah, well, great. Well, listen, enjoy your time there in North Carolina and like just kind of launch in a little bit and ask, you know, what is it that you have been working on lately that you think would be interesting to share with everyone? Yeah, well, um, you know, as an entrepreneur, I um, I think about it as my sort of quilt of projects that I that I work on. You know, people have called it a portfolio, but I, maybe I, I for some reason I started with the word quilt, and that's the one the one I continue to use. Um, and you know, every day is different. Um, and two that I'm working on right now um, are they're actually in some ways tangential to, to my business. Um, one of them is a, um, it, it's a, it's a company, but it kind of functions as a nonprofit called authentic ship. And um, it's essentially pairing coaches with um, clients who might not be able to have access to coaches otherwise. So kind of democratizing coaching or, or bringing coaching to um you know, that's accessible to everyone. And then it's leveraging, you know, all those coaches out there that need maybe some pro bono or low bono coaching in order to get their next ICF credential or, or just for practice. And so this is real world experience that they could um, 
they can be getting. So I guess this is just a bit of a passion project and it was started by a few of my coach friends and I couldn't help get involved. And um, so, you know, I went down that rabbit hole a little bit. Um, <laughs> and then um, another one I'm, I'm working on, and, and John, this is similar to how you and I have been working together with ICFNYC, but um, I, I'm working with, um, you know, a colleague of ours, Brendalyn, on um, a coach a coaching event called the Listen and Learn Lab, um, where I'm bringing together two MCC coaches and um, having them actually go through a coach recording. Um, you know, a lot. Well, it's not live because it's recorded, but at the time it was live. You know, real clients, um, real coaches coaching real clients and having a real conversation about it because I think we, we it's so hidden from other coaches how coaches coach, and I think it's so cool to be able to learn from. Well, you're an MCC, so experts like you and, and other ones on on what it really sounds like to, to be a coach. So, and that's another kind of um, you know something tangential to, to my business uh, rabbit hole that, I, that I've been <laughs> going down in the last 24 hours. But something that I'm super passionate about because I'm you know as many coaches a lifelong learner. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's funny that you mentioned that because when I first started thinking about becoming a coach and sort of seeing people with MCC and it seems so mysterious and <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's sort of, you know, nobody ever kind of pulled back the layers just a little bit. And then when I decided to pursue that credential and connected with a mentor coach to start that process, I it was just fascinating to me, uh, you know, how all of that unfolded. And if anyone out there is considering advancing their credential to whatever level, I would highly encourage you to do it. Just a little uh, plug here. You know, what I found in that process was it, it, the process itself helped me become a better coach. And I was uh, fortunate and skilled enough to achieve that credential and you know, along the way, I made up my mind that even if I didn't get there, that the process itself would help me get to mastery. And so I just, I think there's a lot there. And I really applaud you for kind of pulling back the covers just a little bit and letting people mm -hmm. see what does it take to create a masterful, master level coaching conversation. Yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more um, around your point about, um, you know, actually practicing and, and learn that learning experience, kind of going through the credentialing process, it absolutely has helped me become a better coach. And it's, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm, um, I, I love your humility around all of this, John. It just it makes it always so fun to talk to you. But I'm going to put in it, uh, you know, a plug for our own project, you know, which in some ways is very much along these lines, um, <laughs> that you know, really the the wax on and wax off of what of what we're doing uh, around kind of like these little bite size um, skills drills that coaches can attend and really work through um, a coaching conversation one very specific, challenging, and fun skill at a time. So I love the project that we're working on as well with the with the core um, competency uh, lab. Yeah, I I do as well. And I'm glad that you mentioned that. It's just, you know, I think from my point of view, just, you know, that wax on, wax off, kind of the, the reference to the karate kid, but just kind of focusing on that one skill, one skill at a time, kind of a mono focus. It just, again, it creates a little bit of 
fun and it sharpens things a bit. I, and I just, I think there's a lot of value there and I'm really grateful. I was inspired uh, with this through you and through other people that I've been in contact with over the years and my coach training and people that I've come in contact with. So thank you for helping me lead that. Yeah, likewise. You're the best lab partner. Yeah, yeah. You, you are as well. So uh, we've we're, <laughs> uh, got a great mutual admiration society going on there. <laughs> well, you, you, you are a professional coach and consultant, right? And I'm curious, what, what inspired you to become a coach? Yeah, I, you know, I, I know I joked with you earlier that this is such a long story, but um, I'm going to try to try to condense it the best I can. And, um, you know, my, um, my first passion, career passion was, was event planning. And this was something I got into through the arts and really putting together an experience where people, you know, came alive in some ways. It brought together my passions of you know, food, decor, just creating a world, almost like an art installation um, where people could come celebrate, be happy. Um, I would do this for my, my jobs were um, in nonprofits, um, art related nonprofits, and they would come and, you know, a lot of them were fundraisers. So I was doing good for a community. I was um, doing good for the people attending. And I just, it absolutely energized me. And, you know, as, as careers do, um, it, I started to feel burnt out. This was after 10 or 15 years. And it's a it's a challenging career physically, um, out, a lot of hours, a lot of physical work running around and setting things up and that kind of thing. Um, so I had been actually looking for a career transition. And I think this was around the time coaching had been becoming more, I don't know, more in the in the like cultural zeitgeist to just seem more present, <laughs> certainly in my own life. Um, and I think I started to see it as something that was really a potential career, whereas maybe even a couple years earlier, it was like, oh, that's not something people do. Um, and I think in my in reflecting on my career, I started to recognize, you know, the thing that I took away most wasn't some of these fancy events I did. And, you know, I'll, I'll name drop. Um, I was part of uh, a team that put on the Costume Institute Gala, which is, you know, which is a fairly well-known, um, you know, glitzy event. And it, and it wasn't that's not what I was proud of. It was really the mentoring aspect and kind of, um, you know, bringing some of the young um, event planners up in my, in, in my um, organization and, and just helping them lean into maybe their own strengths. And so I, I think maybe connecting some of these dots, like wanting to move out of my current career, recognizing coaching and seeing that really my joy and passion and pride came from the mentorship aspect. You know, these things kind of cooked together into a beautiful soup that became, that became coaching. <laughs> wow. You know, I am never disappointed when I hear a story like that or ask that question. And I ask that question of a lot of my colleagues and uh, you know, it's always such a rich experience how people get to the coaching profession. So thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. It's always a cool story. It, it really is. It, it, you know, and one of the things that you mentioned in there were, were the arts and, and creativity. And, you know, one of the things I was interested in chatting with you about is that topic, the topic of, of creativity. And, you know, just a little bit of backstory, how I got interested in this is about 
believe it or not, about two decades ago, I, I became really interested in leadership presence. And at that time, like today, that term was bantied about quite a bit. You know, people talk about, well, you don't have enough presence or you need this kind of presence or that kind of presence. And at that time, my thinking about presence was kind of fixed and it's difficult to articulate, but basically I just felt like, you know, what you see is what you get. And and what I need to do is just make sure that I'm clear in my communication and that the aura that I give off is commanding. And so that was the, the mindset that I had about presence, if you will. And somewhere along the way, uh, I don't know exactly how I came across this book, but I, I came across a book called Leadership Presence, believe it or not, by a couple of uh, people, Bell, Linda Halpern, and Kathy Lubar from the Ariel Group. And I don't even know if that group or consulting group even exists anymore. But the basic premise of this book was that leaders, like actors, need to have a presence and that I'm in control of that. I determine what my presence is in any given moment. And just that notion itself opened up an entire world to me about what it means to be creative and how that plays into my Co- later into my coaching work. And I went to a coaching school that promoted that people are creative, resourceful, and whole. Mm-hmm. And later, someone told me, I don't know what the truth is here, that one of the founders of the coaching school that I went through was actually a former acting coach. So all of these things came together to create this fascination that I have with creativity and coaching and how we express that, and more so for my work uh, and for our work, you know, how do leaders, how can leaders think about creativity differently, and how can they use the natural creativity that they have to add value, to uh, create momentum in their agenda, etc. So that's just a little bit of a backstory about how we even got here to have this conversation today. I'm just kind of curious, what, what do you, I said a lot there, but what are your thoughts about, <laughs> uh, about all of that and how creativity fits into this formula? I, um, I, well, I, I feel like my brain went 18 different directions because I, <laughs> I, so, I have so much to say about what you just said, John, and, and maybe I'll just start with creative, resourceful, and whole is absolutely one of my favorite um, kind of like coach phrases. I, I feel like it, it, it pertains to life so so often um, and and to honor other people as this has really set me free, I think, as a person in some ways. But, um, you know, I think a breadcrumb in me becoming a coach that I that I didn't mention, because, of course, it's a a much longer story um, is was was something similar. I had a similar um, maybe aha moment around, you know, the things that hold people back in life. Sure, there are sometimes outside circumstances that prevent people from, you know, becoming the leader they want to be or becoming um, the creator of their life that they want to be. But often it's their own mindset. And this is like maybe back to like Carol Dweck and growth mindset, that it's something that we can change and we can evolve. And and when you were sharing your story, you know, I think I had that same 
aha. And, and that's what led me to like really enjoying, um, you know, I understand that a coach is not a mentor, but sort of my pre-coaching life, kind of helping people, I don't know, maybe see what it's easier to see from the outside and people's own maybe growth limitations and um, mindsets around around that. So when you told your story, that that really connected with maybe my own personal aha in, in helping another one of those breadcrumbs in becoming a coach. Really cool. So what do you think about in terms of how the people that you coach in, in, in your business, what about their creativity and, and how do you help them express that in their work environment? You know, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, I can't say that creativity comes up as like maybe the specific named topic, um, you know, but as, you know, as, as, as you and I know it in some ways, you know, when I think about, co when I think about creativity, I think about, creation um, and becoming the creator of your life, becoming the creator of your destiny, you know, being able to maybe going back to your, your um, story, you know, recognizing that you have the ability to create your own leadership presence. And it takes that mindfulness, attention and desire to be able to sort of see where the gaps are and, and build the, having the intention to, to fill the gaps in whatever creative creative way that you want. Um, so maybe I don't talk so much, although, you know, I have had creative, you know, clients that, you know, are in industries like fashion design, those kinds of things. And I, and I, and I happen to love working with clients like that because I, that's sort of, you know, a background that, that I came from and, and maybe there's a mutual appreciation there as, as well. Um, but I think it comes, you know, I, I always think coaching comes down to how do you unlock what's real and authentic about someone? How do you go back? How do you help them unlock their core values? How do you help them live a life that's aligned with their core values? And I guess my hypothesis is that in doing so, it immediately unleash, it unleashes that energy, the creativity, and the, when, when you're getting back to your authenticity. Um, so I'm going to pause there because I feel like I've said a lot. <laughs> no, listen, I absolutely, I absolutely love that. And that makes a perfect sense from, from my perspective. You know, one of the most, when I first got a, a coach and was part of what I was told was that my approach was not direct enough. Right. And that was part of why I was in coaching to begin with. And so when I was chatting with my coach and he, he asked me, you know, well, what is it that people want you to do? And I said, well, be more direct. And his response was, well, what is preventing you from doing that? And I really didn't have an answer. And then we, <laughs> the conversations kind of continued and he started exploring you. What are other areas of your life where you are direct? Well, with my children, with other people in the community, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it just started to unlock this. And again, I, I didn't think about it as creativity at the time, but to your point, right? In that moment and going forward, you know, I started to create this part of my life. What is the direct version of John? What is the collaborative version? And I think the challenge that I ran into in starting to think about it that way is that it 
thought I thought it was inauthentic. It didn't feel real to me. But what I recognized a little bit later was that it was simply a part of me that was unexercised. It was just something that lied dormant that I had covered up or not wanted to promote for a while for for whatever fear, which we won't get mm-hmm. into. But I, you know, I think when I started thinking about it that way, it made a lot of sense to me that that is actually a an act of creation from self in some ways. And so being able to kind of leverage and utilize that capability, I think, was a real game changer for me. And it kind of for the latter part of my career really made a big difference. So I'm just wondering, you know, have you noticed things like that for your for yourself or with the clients that you work with that it's just that little, as you mentioned earlier, that little aha moment that seems to make a bit of a difference? Yeah, a- a- absolutely. It's It's kind of recognizing, oh, there is a piece here that I want to grow into. I want to live into. Actually, it will help me live my values. It will help me, you know, um, get the thing I want to get, whether that's be a better leader to my team or, you know, be more successful in my entrepreneurial business. And, and I think a lot about how we sometimes get stuck. And this is, I'm talking about myself and I'm talking about clients. I'm talking about people in general. <laughs> we, we often get stuck in this idea that because it's uncomfortable or because it doesn't, it's scary, it means, oh, we shouldn't do it. And that's such a evolutionarily, evolutionarily reasonable response, right? Like, oh, well, it's scary for me to be direct. It's scary for me. I'll use my example. Um, you know, when I first started my practice, getting more um, uh, on LinkedIn, being, being, you know, having a more uh, an online presence uh-huh. and things like that. Like, and it was absolutely terrifying. I hated it. I felt like, <laughs> completely uncomfortable with it. And of course, you know, I, I rationally recognize, well, hey, if you're, if you're on LinkedIn, if you post, you know, maybe five or six times, it won't be as scary anymore. And of course, that's absolutely true. And now I can get on there and post about any old, on, about any old thing, and it's absolutely not a problem. And I, I do think often, you know, in coaching and in life, we come back to the idea of getting comfortable with the uncomfortable um, or befriend. I, I like to call it befriending that fear, just being like, you know, patted on the head a little bit and be like, okay, not, not a big deal. This will, this is not going to kill me. So I, I, I it's going to make me stronger as the saying goes. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely love that, that, and you know, that, again, sort of that creative force. I mean, what you just mentioned was kind of giving a little bit of a personality to the thoughts and the ideas that come in and create a little disruption. At least that's how I think about it in in my life. And that's, again, sort of an example of how creativity plays a role in in my life and in the life of my clients and, and the leaders that we all serve. And that is, you know, when when some of these negative thoughts come in, which I'm a very much a thinker, right? I have the capability of saying, you know what, that is a wonderful thought, but I really don't need you right now, right? You can, <laughs> I, so I think about it like almost like a party crasher. I'm having a great day <laughs> here in central New York. It's a beautiful summer day. And all of a sudden this thought comes in about something I need to do three weeks from now. And it spins me off into a little bit of a, a, a tailspin 
but then I can just pause and say, okay, thank you, party crasher. I don't really need your input right now. I'm, I'm doing just fine. And as weird as that sounds, and it certainly sounds weird for somebody like me uh, to hear myself say that out loud, it actually does work. And I think about those little moments as ways that I can creatively move mm -hmm. myself forward. I mean, it's so creative, you know, I mean, you're coming up with a, a visual metaphor, or I'm not sure if you're noticing it visually, like a party crasher. Um, I, I think of my sort of unhelpful thoughts as like a little um, gremlin or a little demon that mm. sort of sits on my shoulder. It, it's very visual, you know, I'm a vis visual person. And so I, I think about it like that. So yours is a party crasher. Mine is a little kind of like devil on my shoulder kind of thing. And you know, there is, you know, obviously evidence that getting distance from these thoughts and maybe even um, anthropomorphizing them. I'm not sure if that's fully the word, but, um, you know, it actually does help to create that, that, oh, these thoughts are not me. I am not these thoughts. So, but I, but even in the way that we've kind of made metaphors and, and, and things about our thoughts, like I think that as, of a, as a creative strategy, I mean, yours is a party crasher, mine's a demon and that in itself is, you know, it reminds me of a coaching conversation where you take a client, um, you use a client's metaphor, or you come up with a metaphor that helps them see the situation with more distance or to see the situation um, in a clearer way. Absolutely. You, you mentioned just a few minutes ago that you have some creative uh, people that you coach and you mentioned that you love coaching creatives. And, you know, oftentimes in, in my comings and goings, I hear people use the word creatives almost like, eh, I want to stay away from those people. Right? <laughs> so, you know, almost like with, with some derision in, in some ways. So what is it that you love about working with creative people or, or creatives, if you will? That's such a funny, um, it's such a funny question because um, I, the reason I'm laughing is because like, I can't imagine not loving creative. And maybe, that's because, maybe that's because I've, that my whole career in some ways has been, you know, um, a, I have actually have a fine art degree. I, I started my career in the arts. Um, I've always been around creatives. And so maybe there's a comfort level for me. Um, you know, I, I think I like that outside of the box thinking. I, I also have a very logical side and a very like step-by-step -step, um, way of thinking. And so, you know, I like to exercise that that side of my, my brain and just really find it fun and enjoyable. You know, there's a the sort of humor in doing things a little bit differently or, um, you know, kind of using, you know, maybe the example we, we just use, like using metaphor, painting things in a visual way. Like there's something about like sort of fun and, and whimsical about that. Um, so, you know, I, again, maybe it's a certain just level of comfort or maybe um, I, I'm going to go on a slight tangent here, John. So I apologize. <laughs> okay. I apologize in advance. But I, I was thinking about, you know, I knew you and I were going to be talking about creativity today. And, you know, I just think the coaching process is such a creative thing. And that's one of the, the breadcrumbs about it that I love mm -hmm. so much. And I think what makes it so creative is that 
you know, that client hands us a blueprint of their life and they, um, I did study architecture for a semester. So I, I feel like I can use this metaphor <laughs> is they, um, they, uh, they hand us a blueprint of their life. And maybe that blueprint is like what they love or their values or who they want to become. And, you know, you and I, we have to step into that bl blueprint. We have to be there in that blueprint with them. And we have to sort of see it like it's a real thing because it obviously is for them. And this is their culture, their, you know, everything that's made their life real. And we sort of have to inhabit that world. So maybe not unlike method acting or acting, as, as you said, that I know is in is in your background. Um, and we have to sort of be there with the client and hold their reality as our reality, if, if just for a moment. Um, and so I think that it's just such a creative thing to to have to do. And maybe it just feels a little more literal when I'm when I'm working with a creative client, that it's an easier house for me to inhabit because, um, you know, maybe they are using more visual language or they, they are using a style of expression that I'm personally more familiar with or comfortable with or just think is fun and energizing. So um, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious what you think about this idea of having to kind of inhabit a client's blueprint. No. Uh, well, this is, first of all, what, how you just described it is very inspirational to me. I, I've got a lot of different thoughts here, but I, if I could maybe go one step further there, I think, mm. you know, being in the blueprint, I, I love that visualization. And I think an extension of that maybe is just, if I could just say it this way, being the client in some ways, right? Just sort of mm -hmm. being them and sort of like, you know, and I, as you mentioned, kind of being, being, being in the blueprint with your client, I think about that, old uh metaphor of you know water shapes itself to the container it's in mm. so mm -hmm. as a coach you know being the water if you will mm -hmm. right kind of meeting that container where it is and, and becoming part of what that is so i i love that as as a, a visualization i've got a lot of images going through my mind right now yeah um and i love me you know being the water and, and water kind of takes the shape of its container and um we, we, we do have to be that for, for our clients and at the same time be like also hold it apart from us, like also be objective about it. Also, you know, um, maybe mm. using the blueprint metaphor, like, hey, you know, you said you liked um, a tiled floor, but I'm noticing that your floor is made of wood, like according to your own um world like I'm, I'm noticing that there maybe there's a discrepancy here like what do you what do you think client um and i i think about there's this book that i read when i was you know still young like pre pre-college and it was called drawing on the right side of your brain and i don't really remember what the book was about except it said this it said like okay do this experiment where you know go outside and try to draw a tree and what happens is that your memory sort of your experience of, of all the trees that maybe you've ever seen or maybe uh, photos of trees or pictures or paintings of trees pop into your mind and you start to draw or paint this tree in a way that you think the tree is supposed to look. And what this book suggests is now take a picture of a tree and turn it upside down and now see, now try to draw it. And the idea is that you'll end up drawing it more accurately because it will be from the right side, the creative side of your brain, because you're actually seeing what's there not your memory of trees not how a tree is supposed to look not how you've drawn trees before but the actual shape of the actual tree that's in front of you 
And I think a lot about coaching and being objective and just having to be super clear about what, what has been said, what hasn't been said, and what's the reality that the client is sharing with me, not what my assumptions are. Um, so I think, you know, as well as having to be the client, you also can't be the client. You can't hold the client's truths too tightly or your own truths for that matter too, too much. Yeah. Yeah. It, when you were, when you were describing that, the, the phrase holding it loosely came to mind for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, de- definitely. I, um, there's, there's, um, a, a coach that I really a- admire, um, and she, she says, um, don't believe the client. It's like you, you do have to believe that they're telling you, you know, they're painting the picture. You have to believe in their, their house, their blueprint. You have to, you know, believe that their, their water container is the shape that they're telling, that they believe that. But like you also can't believe that or else all of a sudden you're stuck in the same traps as your client might be, the same mindset, um, unhelpful mindset patterns or whatever the case might be. Yeah, precisely. Well, you know, the other thing I just wanted to touch on for a moment, if we could, is this idea kind of continuing this part of the conversation about love. So we started off with kind of talking about what you love about working with creatives. I'm just, and it's a bit of a big question, but when you think about the work that you do and the lives that you impact, what is it that you love about your work? Yeah. And I'll, I'll be really curious to get your opinion on this, on this, John, is I think, you know, we all kind of have all these layer onion layers on us. And um, I, I sort of believe, and this is definitely a theory, this is not something that I is scientifically like evidence, but I think at the root, we all have a desire to make an impact on the world, make the world a better place. And you know, we all do that in different ways. And that's what, you know, makes this beautiful variety of life. Some of us, um, you know, go into the corporate world, you know, my experience, um, my sort of starting out in the world that was in more of the nonprofit world, which is maybe a little more directly um, impactful, um, or at least in my mind, it, it, it was at the time. And, um, you know, for me, there's something about being able to so like, in doing events, I think I genuinely was making an impact in the world, making the world more beautiful. And, and beauty is a, is, a, is a huge value of mine. But now it's so awesome that I get to see it so directly. I get to see a client, um, you know, create that, actually bring their blueprint to life, you know, create the life that they want. And that is so super fulfilling for me. It absolutely gets me energized. It gets me, you know, into my uncomfort zone to do some of these things that I le- I'm less comfortable with because of the passion that, that I have for it. And I think there's a continuum and I'm not really sure sometimes of the difference between fulfillment, passion and, and, and love when it comes to, when it comes to work or our, or doing purposeful work. Um, and, and I guess I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts on, you know, my theory that we all sort of have an underlying desire to, to do something impactful. Um, and again, that could be, it takes so many, so many variations, so many shades of this. Um, but I, I, I feel like a client often gets closer to who they are when they start talking about, this is what lights me up. This is what I'm passionate about. This is what I know makes an impact on the world. Right. You know, I, I absolutely agree 100%. And, you know, again, to your point, whether we call it fulfillment or 
love or contentment or whatever the the label is we want to put on it but it, to me it's that sense that you know it, to use kind of a big word it's kind of that sense of equanimity right everything is okay everything is as it should be whether i'm experiencing it as something that's pleasant or unpleasant or something in between that everything is unfolding exactly as it should be and for me that gives me a great deal of comfort. And so when I can find that place, from there, I can move forward with a spirit of love. And and when I think about my my clients, I think about the people that I serve, I think about how much I love them. And Mm -hmm. and I can't even believe that these words are coming out of my mouth, but that's a real premise of how I coach. And to your point a little bit earlier, you know, the caution there is not getting sort of, is holding that loosely. You know, the, the love that I have for my clients is I know that they want to improve their lives. They're stuck. They want to see things differently. And together we have the capability of making that happen. And my belief is sort of at, at, at that level, that's my purpose in this world. And I spent a lot of time trying to kind of figure that out. But to your point earlier, I think that that is really a profound way to move forward and and helps me at least make sense of of the world around me. So I I appreciate you even bringing that up. Yeah. Well, you've, you've really added some, some, some depth to this because I absolutely love um, the concept of equanimity and um, it, it reminds me of the opposite of what I had mentioned earlier around, um, you know, well, fear or, you know, equanimity is kind of like, you know, everything will be okay. Like it's okay to do this because there really isn't anything I don't know, there is no tiger on the other side of the door to this. And if I really had equanimity around this, like I would be more okay with opening the door. I would be more okay with getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. I would be more okay with, you know what, if I don't like this, I can pivot later. And, um, you know, I'm using myself as an example here, but of course this goes, goes for all our clients. And I think that is just such a beautiful space to hold them in and, um, entice them to, to be themselves. Yeah, precisely. Well, Vanessa, I want to express my gratitude to you for, for joining me today. This, I believe we could continue this conversation for (laughs) for quite some time now, but this feels like a, a pretty good place for us to wrap up. What do you think? Sounds, it sounds perfect to me. Yeah. I'm holding, holding the whole conversation loosely and this feels like i agree well if if people want to reach out to you what's the best way for them to do that um good question probably my web my website and on the website i feel like there's 18 different ways to contact me so whether you want to set up a calendly whether you want to just get my email or send me a message and that is um I, I it's vncocoaching.com or my or my name it gets to the same thing vanessa hegerbomber.com but um vncocoaching is v a n d c o and then coaching.com awesome and i will put all that information in oh, cool. the show notes and the uh headlines and that sort of thing so everybody has access to it 
Perfect. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Vanessa, thank you once again for joining me today. And I hope you have a pleasant rest of the week. You too, John. My pleasure. See you soon. Bye. 